<laughs> I tell my wife, it's like, we start businesses now because it's fun, not necessarily because it has to succeed because we got to get money. And also it's dope. One thing I realized is like, you need one business to take off. And then after that business takes off, you can start building businesses the way that's supposed to be built. I feel like one of the, the dopest things about building a successful business is you no longer have to prove that you can build a successful business. Now it's like you start approaching stuff like, hey, I built this. Tweet Talk, episode 52. It's lit. I meant. Woo time. Hot, hot. hot. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me, Bob. Boss, always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection, available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the air, Tweet sugar? dope, what it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build yes. wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganer himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Yo. Episode Ray Lewis, man. The legend. Hall of Famer Ray Lewis. Um, it's so funny. Somebody was like, you should go back to saying it's lit. I was like, I didn't know I ever stopped, but I wanted to make sure I emphasize <laughs> that it's lit this one. All right. So, as always, your co-hosts, Raphael and Charles, a.k.a. Todd Billy, Todd Millie, Todd smashing everything in his path. And this week, we have a special guest with us. Maya Billingsley, creator of 24-7 Watches. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at Maya Bandaloo. Welcome, Maya. Thank you. I appreciate y'all for having me. Welcome. Welcome. All the way from Alabama, right? Yep. Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and 24-7 Watches. Okay. Uh, um, like I said, my name is Maya. Uh, born and raised in Birmingham. Um, I finished um, Tennessee State University back in 2012. Um, I have a degree in economics. Um, after that, I started working in the health insurance field. Um, lost my job. I was kind of forced to resign. Um, before that, um, I went to law school for about a year and a half. Dropped out. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. And I couldn't go back, really, because I was paying for it out of pocket. So when I lost my job, that was it. I didn't take out any loans for that. Um, so started working for a telecommunications company um, and, and um, I just got to a point to where I got complacent with where I was in my life and I knew I could be doing more. So um, I just started changing who I followed on social media and I started with Twitter because it's easier to do it on that platform. So I came across Chris Johnson's page and he talked about how to build an e-commerce brand. I had always already collected watches anyway, so I just decided to start a watch brand. I bought his course and... I think I ordered samples like that next week. So. I, I didn't know um, that Chris was the reason why he did. I, I guess maybe I, I had an inclination that that was the reason why, mm-hmm. but I never knew that was the reason yeah. why. So that's dope. He's a good person to follow. Yeah. And it's so crazy how, how like, it, I think we take it for granted. I think we take it for granted the ability to connect with China through Alibaba or through other platforms mm-hmm. and get your brand on some dope stuff. 
because we couldn't do that back in the day. Like back in the day, you're talking, it was just unaffordable. And also you couldn't even communicate with them. So it's dope to see not only like where you are now, but like the first iteration of your watches. Yeah, I started off with women's watches. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What inspired that change? Um, I knew I wanted to get more diverse. Um, and I always liked wood watches anyway. I got like 10 wood watches. So that was always kind of my thing because it's something different. Um, so and wood watches are unisex. So I just decided to just switch with that. Um, I struggled for a while trying to find my target audience. That was my biggest challenge. And I was like, well, on my personal um, social media, I always talk about wealth stuff anyway. So why don't I just target them? It'll go hand in hand and make it easier. So ever since I've done that, um, my brain is really, really taken off. That's one thing I like about what you're doing is Mm -hmm. you're kind of, you're adding layers to your brand. And so it's not just the watches. It's also what you named the watches. It's also Mm -hmm. the content that you're producing that has the branding of your watches, but isn't necessarily watch related. It's just kind of like maybe business related. Like I think that's so genius. It's key. Thank you. It's going to pay off. Like, if it is, if yeah. I'm sure it's already paying off, but it's definitely yeah. you're heading down the right path. I love it. I appreciate that. Cool. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Charles helped you um, create the LSE, correct? Yeah, I I've been up. following Charles um, for almost a year, and I knew I could have done the LSE myself. You know, it's easy, just paperwork. But I was like, no, nah, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Charles do it. Um, I didn't know it would turn into this. You know, um, you know, Charles always supported my brand from the beginning, but it started with just you know letting him file my LLC. And I tell people that all the time. That's like a cheat code if you want to network on social media and then just in life in general, just become somebody's client. And then that opens the door, mm. you know, to some more opportunities that is a gem um it's kind of what i always tell people it's like don't ever really go to anybody with your hand out looking for something from them if if you invest in them you're gonna get it back tenfold um i mean even the relationship that i have with chris like it happened because i was helping him the relationship i have with andre it happened because i was helping him every relationship that i have came from me helping somebody else um there was something i was gonna say in regards to that but um I think that was pretty much the where I was going. So what's going on, Raphael? How you doing, man? I feel like we never ask you how you were doing. Actually, I feel like we do, but we need to make that a point in the show. Is asking Raphael how we're how he's doing. So what's going on, man? Oh, everything's good, man. I'm I'm still tired of the, uh, wearing masks every time I go outside and all this crap. But me too. Sick of it. It's too hot. The isolation, <laughs> the isolation, man, is terrible. I'm used to moving by myself, but I'm used to moving. Not everything yeah. is shut down. It can't really go anywhere, you know. I mean, have you guys got tested? Not me. No. That stuff hurts, man. I'm a conspiracy theorist, so I think, you know, <laughs> I don't have any plans. Plant some in my nose or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> they might, it was it was in the I was like, it was like up here. I was like, yeah. man, yeah. I should have I had a like sinus test like that before, so I know what it feels like. It, it definitely yeah. hurts. Yeah. Like he yeah. didn't even ease it in. He just like he just stuck it in and yeah, just kept on so. going. I was like, bro, like you could stop. Like please. Yeah, <laughs> you stop it to hit your brain. Right. Oh, man. Okay, so you're talking about um, the layers in your brand, Charles. So we see finally launched a new brand, Views, the luggage brand. You know, good to see. I'm trying to get, I got to remember before I go to sleep, get my, buy mine. 
Um, tell us a little bit about the, the new brand, the bags. Um, so I don't even know what expired inspired it. I just knew I needed to get more product. And so I just been had been skimming through um through the website, looking for different things that I could brand as my own. And I found something that I thought made sense. And so I contacted the seller. Seller got back with me and then I told him that I wanted to get a logo. And so I went back to one of my logo designers and he's the person because he kind of does all my graphic design. He did the millionaire podcast cover, the original one and the new one. And he also created like a, a bunch of dope like logos, like they were cool. And so then I, I sent that back to the, the wholesaler and then they got me back like a little mock-up. They sent me a, a sample and I liked it and made sense. And I figured let's launch it. And I think I tweeted something and I was like, you need more product. Like the more products you have, the more sales you can make, the more sales you can make, the more money you make. And so it was just cool to see how I launched the product like this week and I've already made a bunch of sales. And I have only really been pushing it like you know, like one or two days. And so one way that I did that is I did a giveaway contest. And so I was like, hey, if you retweet what I'm doing, you tag two people, I'm going to give five people out of this giveaway a, a free bag. And quite honestly, like my mindset is I need to be giving away product to merch anyway. I need to be getting it in the hand so I can get more people taking pictures of it, more people that are giving testimonials of it. And so it's just like, it's fun. It's like, I tell my wife, it's like, we start businesses now because it's fun, not necessarily because it has to succeed because we got to get money. And also it's dope. One thing I realized is like, you need one business to take off. And then after that business takes off, you can start building businesses the way that's supposed to be built. And so I always talk about getting started, getting fancy later. I talk about building up through your clientele, but it's so cool when after you have done that, now you can say, you know what? I'm going to do it the way that I would do it if I had 50 grand to invest in this. So I'm going to get the truck. I'm going to get the right vending machines. I'm going to get this. And so a lot of my, a lot of my like advice is like from the mud advice. And then after you get it out of the mud, you get to start doing it from like a, a prestigious and elite level and it comes and business never stops. So it's like, my goal is to continue to start business because it's like Dame Dash. I don't do it for the money anymore. I do mm-hmm. it for fun. It's just building stuff is fun. So I'd rather build something that's for my last name than go and build somebody else's business for their last name. That's cool. So that's where we are. And Charles, you had a tweet that said, we have a lot of problems because we have too few businesses. So I had a conversation with Forbes this week and I never really realized this until recently, but my business as it exists currently is really just the connection of my skills and expertise and my target market. And so when I was getting started as a financial advisor, getting started as a wealth advisor, getting started in private banking, there was a disconnect. The disconnect was me being African-American male despite my background and my clientele being doctors, lawyers, Caucasian immigrants. There was a disconnect there. And so it didn't work out, but it didn't not work out because there was something wrong with me. It didn't not work out because there was something wrong with where I was. And so I had to build what I could build to serve my people. Now, the great thing is I serve my people and I also win. And so it's like, I'm making money, they're making thousands, we all win. And this is what I wanted to say when she was talking about how she worked with me and it worked with her, is that's how it works when you have group economics. And that's why everybody does it. They do it because it, it works. They don't do it because they want to say F black people. They do it because it's like, bro, I invest in them, they invest in me, I pay my salary to my employees, they work harder for me, 
I invest in this. Like all my investments are to black businesses. If I run promotion, it's to black businesses. I spent like 500 bucks on Tuesday promoting through black businesses. I made maybe 20 grand, but I made that investment in black business, which also helped their following improve, which helped my following improve. And so we need to stop seeing group economics as a sacrifice and start seeing it as an investment because it's an investment back in you. If you invest in me, I'm going to make sure you get your investment back. If I invest in you, you're going to make sure I get my investment back. Chris made sure I got my investment back. And that's why I always lead with the give and I lead with the investment because I know I'm going to get it back on the, on the end. And so I think that's what I was trying to say there is that part. But also, if we had more businesses that were in our community, that were solving our problems, you don't realize that it kind of blossoms into something more. So it's like, hey, we don't have loans. They're not giving us loans. So we're going to create a bank. Well, what also happens when you create a bank? Yeah, you solve the, the problem of us not getting loans, but you also create CEO positions, executive, executive positions, teller positions. You also get black folks a better return on their investment than maybe they might be getting from somewhere else. Like when we solve our problems with business, we build wealth. And that's why they don't want us to do it because they've already seen us do it. That's why they destroy when we get a black Wall Street and when we get prosperous economies. It's not because it doesn't work. It's because it not only works, but it overshadows them. They're not the shit. We do way better than them. If you look at them and their gumroad sales, and you look at Chris and my gumroad sales and Dante's and his gumroad sales, Joe ain't all that. He doing like 10% of what we're doing. He thinks he's the man. The dude posted his sales. He was like, I hit 200 all the time. He thinks he's the man. When we compete and we have access, we kick him in the face every time. What do you say, uh, Maya? You have a lot of problems because we have too few businesses. Yeah, I think that's true. But I think, yeah, the main issue is we're just taught to, you know, work a nine to five. And that's all we know. You know, we don't know how to start businesses, you know, outside of that. It's like we're not even thinking of that because most of us grew up poor. So we, you know, a lot of us are worrying about where our next meal is going to come from or the light's going to be on, you know, so I think poverty is just, um, it clouds us a lot and on top of not having as much access and just not having a mindset. And it's frustrating because when you see it, you want to show it to people. And so like Mm -hmm. people will work their nine to five and be frustrated and they don't realize like you got nights, you got weekends, you got all this excess time. You actually have more time that you're off the job than you are on the job. So build something in that time. And it might not look like something in month 12 or even month 24. Month 36, though, month 48, you might see some stuff. But like life is long. And once you build it, now you just pass it down. So it's like, let's aim to pass stuff down instead of just yeah. getting that paycheck. Like, I, it's, it's frustrating. And I feel like that's why we got to keep pushing it out there and promoting it and talking about it and telling people what's possible. Because I feel like in a lot of ways, we're brainwashed to think that the nine to five is the way. And that's honestly like, mm-hmm. it's frustrating. But the cool thing is you can do both, especially with the internet. Before, you couldn't do both. And our parents' time, you had to choose. You had to either be in your retail storefront or work your nine to five job now you can work your nine-to-five job or run a business from your cell phone yeah and um you know people keep talking about living wages and all this kind of stuff but instead of focusing on minimum wage we need to focus on starting the businesses that will pay our people it's like charles uh one of our old episodes charles you were talking about um building a business is not just about you it's about the community because you got a good nine-to-five job it's cool you get you get your money and if you handle your money right you build wealth for yourself and your family and that's cool that's what we want people to do but it's just you and your family and it doesn't do much for anybody else 
said maybe you might buy some black owned products or something. But when you have a business, you got employees, or even if you don't have any employees, you work with other black businesses, you know, their business their business gets money, that business gets money, you have employees, they get to feed their families, you know, business feeds a whole community instead of just you and your family. It's I feel like it's sad that we don't see that. Like other communities don't struggle and it's not because they're magical. They're just out there doing the right stuff. Like that is the result of group economics is everybody on the street gets money, not just one dude has money. And so it's like a lot of times I talk about group economics and we see like one person getting money from their business instead of seeing group economics means everybody eats. If I want to make sure that Raphael eats, I got to I gotta engage in group economics. It's not just about me. There's a lot of people eating off of what I'm doing. And the great thing about it is they also got their own business. They also got their own job. Sheridan makes money off of me, makes money off her own business, makes money off her job, and also has other businesses that, she, that she's doing. She's living well. And she should live well. And I want her to live well. Other communities, they don't give a fuck if you live well. They probably actually can't. They want, don't want you to do well. And so if they can underpay you, and if they can fuck you, they're like, who cares? But like, I want you to do well and it should be reciprocated. And that's the difference. If we put all our trust and our faith in them and their jobs and them saving us, they're going to continue to do what they've always been doing. And that's the frustrating part is they keep doing it and we keep feeding into it instead of saying there's another way. I ordered the um, the Dr. Claude Anderson library pack. I've been watching Dr. Boyce Ooh. and Dr. Claude. He always talks about like the library pack. And it's really difficult to get a copy of Power Novels. Very difficult. You can find the quotes, but you can't really find like the book. It's very expensive. But if you buy the library pack, you get that book plus like like three other books that he wrote. So they're supposed to be delivered here, but they haven't come yet. But I'm looking forward to that coming. But those are a lot of the principles that he covers. That's cool. For those listening, if you ever read Powernomics by Dr. Claude Anderson, definitely should get it. Head over to powernomics.com. Pick up a copy. Very good. Um, so Maya, you said the ancestors really left the blueprint for how we should live and do business. We just got distracted. I see a lot of us getting on track, though. Yeah, yeah that was inspired by, um, I saw a tweet with somebody was talking about Malcolm X. Um, so I read the autobiography at least two times. It's probably time for me to read it again. But, um, you know, if you've ever read his book, he talks about that. Like, you know, if I start a cleaning business, you know, you need to start another business that complements that so we can work together and generate more more money for the community. So um, I'm really, I'm really big on that. And um, I think after we decided to, you know, just integrate, I'm not saying the integration was good or bad, but after we decided to do that, I think we kind of lost that. But, um, you know, with technology and social media getting better, I think we're, you know, we're getting back to, to having our own now. So it's it's good to see. And I think representation matters a lot because even seeing y'all make, you know, so much money in one day, like that's inspiring to me. If I had seen this when I was younger, I probably would have been way more far ahead. Even though I'm only, you know, I'm only 29 now, I'm still young. But just imagine if I would have seen that in college, you know, so um, I just... I enjoy seeing y'all do that, you know, every day. It's motivating me. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, um, oh man, I forgot where I was going with that. But because I, I heard the second part, you went in and you were talking about uh, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And then you were talking about. You know, creating complimentary businesses. Right. That's exactly, that's what yeah. I want to touch on. So, Anthem Mogul, I'm sure you guys know him, the truck driver, um, also investor. He tweeted something. And I don't know if Rafael is going to pull this out, but I'm going to pull it out. And he said that if his homeboy has a barbershop, I'm not going to go start a barbershop right next to your barbershop. I'm going to create a business that complements your business. I'm going to clean your barbershop. 
or I'm going to sell you different equipment, or I'm going to do whatever. And there's a book called The Miseducation of the Negro. And the book is where he talks about, and I always post this quote, where he talks about how if you see an African-American person starting a restaurant and doing well, it doesn't make sense for you to go open up a restaurant next door because what happens is that competition drives the market down and now both of you guys are out of business. And this is the same principle that's covered in the book Zero to One by Peter Thiel where he talks about how you don't want competition. You want a monopoly. Competition favors the consumer. A monopoly favors the producer. Why do I say that? Because... If you have complementary businesses, the more success he has, the more success you have. If you're in the same business, you guys will both be out of business soon. And so what's frustrating to me is that I feel like because we are so kind of due to circumstances immature and as it pertains to business, we don't have the ability to think and do something new and do something untried. Instead, we want to say, oh, damn, they doing this, making this. That's where I'm at right now. And it's frustrating because then both of you guys will be out of business. But on what that what the opposite looks like is you pop up and you say, I'm charging for affiliates. And they're like, why would you charge for affiliates? That's crazy. And then three, four weeks later, somebody's like, I'm charging for affiliates now. Because you got to move first. You don't want to follow the crowd. I never seek to follow the crowd. I always seek to set the trend, not be the tr- not follow the trend. Like, and that's just true in life. And so I feel like that's where we need to get as a culture. And it's not a knock on anybody who's out there doing something, but like if like if you're seeking to make a name for yourself, you got to strike out and do what is unique. There's not a lot of people who are doing options classes. In fact, I don't know anybody who's doing an option class. And that's why I was able to have success there. I didn't hop out and say, I'm doing another real estate class, although I have one. Those courses didn't thrive and flourish as much as the options courses have because it's unique. When I first started the Thai Capital Millionaire podcast, it was unique. Like, aim for the uniqueness, and that's where your wealth is going to lie. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So the next business we got to start is uh, supplying my way with parts for our watches and stuff, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, like, the thing is, is think about it. Now she's promoting you. You're getting business off of her. You're not stealing business from her. And you're also giving business to her. That's group economics. Group economics is about the group. We should all be complimenting and supporting and promoting each other. Like, that's the way it's supposed to work. And we don't lose. Like, it's, it's not about just Charles getting money. It's not about just Chris getting money. Even with Chris having a stock market, stock market class, we complement each other. He teaches underlying strategy and I teach the options piece. And that's why we're able to both win. It's not about, like, I feel like, Getting money is a very low level goal. Like I was talking about this, like, like I don't just want it to be one of us getting money. Like we have rich black people. They exist. We have rich billionaires. They exist. What we don't have is a wealthy community. So we need to focus on wealthy community solutions, not one rich black token solutions, because that's what we've been doing for the last 50 years is getting a bunch of tokens. And that's not the solution. But yeah, Charles, that was a good point you made. Um, When you started charging for your affiliate program, I was like, man, that's actually a good idea because a lot of people get affiliates. So people want to be affiliates, but they don't put in the work, you know, Um, and being an affiliate, like you really got to promote it like it's like it's yours. And I think that was good that you did that because that's what a lot of big companies do. Like when Apple took away the headphone jack, everybody went crazy. But now everybody's okay with it because they know the convenience of AirPods. So that was genius. I think I think. 
that was dope. Yep. Imagine, imagine taking time out of your day to add somebody to be an affiliate mm-hmm. and they don't even produce any money. Yep. Like, I'm not even talking about hypothetically. I've done it. I've added people <laughs> who have done nothing. And I took time out of my day that I could have been promoting my brand, working my job, loving on my son, and I gave it to somebody to do nothing. I should at least get something out of that. And so, like, I was talking about this. Like, a lot of times people speak on stuff, and they don't even have the actual experience to even know what you're talking about. Like, we're over here operating in a different lane, and they're criticizing that lane. And unfortunately, social media gives that space, and you start getting retweets and likes, and they think they have credibility because they can just say some shit and get likes and retweets. But a lot of us ain't peers and a lot of us just be talking and a lot of us really been doing this for years. I tell people I'm not new to this. I've been (laughs) executing on a high level my entire life. Like that's all I've done is execute and make shit happen. So if you see me doing some stuff, don't question me. Question what you don't understand. And that's not being arrogant. That's just saying I have a track record of doing this. And it is what it is. I apologize. <laughs> What's going on, Raphael? I'm, I'm looking at the skyline. I'm kind of hyped right now, man. I'm looking at the skyline and drinking some Hennessy. All right. Be back to drink, drink champs on Tweet Talk. Right. right. That's, that's, that's what happens when you move to your own office. You do what you want to do. You do what you want to do, Mad Men style. <laughs> I wish I could smoke cigars in here. I got to find one of those, like, fans. Like, those fans that, like, take the smoke away and you smoke it into the... I don't know. I'll figure it out. Charles, you said most of you are sitting on ideas that could make you money. You just don't have the balls to be first. This is what you were just talking about. Right. I don't even know why I I tweeted that. I know there was like other tweets in that chain and I know they were inspired by something. But I think what I was thinking about is how like we have certain ideas and I do it all the time. And I think I was kind of tweeting to myself is like, I still have stuff I hold on to, things that you could put out there and attach a value to. And what's frustrating is a lot of us talk ourselves out of putting it out there. So I I have like different things, like different consulting products I could put out there or different advising products I could put out there or the trading process or the interns. Like I have so many ideas I just haven't given to the market. And I was thinking, I was like, if that's true for me, I'm sure it's true for other people. I'm sure they're sitting on ideas and innovations and things they've thought about that could make money, but they talk themselves out of it. And you know what's so funny is a lot of times what happens is you'll have this idea and you'll be like, nah, that can't work. And you know what happens five years later? Uber out here delivering food or somebody's out here doing stuff that you knew. You're like, I could, I, I had that idea. And I, I feel like in a lot of ways, that's the reason why I'm a do first, think later type person is because I, we were in college and we had all these great ideas. One of my friends, he was like, man, there's Twitter that exists, but what if we just uploaded pictures and you could comment on your pictures and we didn't do it. And now it's a billion dollar business. And so what billion dollar businesses are we sitting on that we're talking ourselves out of because we've never seen nobody build a billion dollar business. We have not just business ideas, but we have billion dollar business ideas in our heads and it's up to us to promote them and take them to market and get it out there because if we don't some little corny white dude is going to decide he wants to go do it he's going to get funding from sequoia capital and he's going to be a young billionaire i watch cnbc sometimes and if you look at like the ceos of these companies like robin hood or uh, uber or like all these up-and-coming ipos they're young dudes young dudes lame dudes they don't have the swag that we have like dame would say But all they did is they took their idea, they put a business plan behind it, and then they went and they gave it to Sequoia Capital. Sequoia Capital funded it. And what's frustrating is 
like, I think a lot of us think we have to be older to do that kind of stuff. But also, like, what's also frustrating is these companies don't make any money. And so they have these big, huge companies that are publicly traded, that are well-funded, and they don't make any money. But we will see one of our businesses in year one not making any money, and we're like, oh, man, y'all whack. Man, I need a refund. I'm like, y'all don't understand how business works. Amazon is a trillion-dollar company that didn't make a cent for 20 years. 20 years. Uber is or not Uber, of course, I talked about that, but Tesla. And that's why we got to be in the business of just doing business. Like these people that work for those companies, they're making money. The company might not be profitable, but they're making money. And so it's like, if we understand that piece, more of us will do it. And we're not looking for profit first. We're looking for a business model that people are going to buy products from that you can scale into a job, get funding for. And so now we're creating jobs as opposed to getting jobs. If we take that approach, the VC approach, the all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I know there's some struggles there, but like if we can, it, that is, that's where we need, that's a, that's the space we need to play in. That's where we need to be. What you say, Maya? Yeah, I agree with that. When um, yeah, yeah, when Charles said um, what did you say, Charles? About sitting on ideas. I had when I lost my job for a few months. I was coming up with all types of stuff because I had a lot of time on my hands. So um, I've been playing golf since I was seven, and um, I was on scholarship at TSU to, to play there. So um, I thought about starting like a nonprofit golf program for Black kids, like in my community. Um, but I ended up getting a job and I didn't have the time anymore. I worked weekends at the time and I knew I was going to have to do it on the weekends plus I worked late but that's an idea I've been still want to do it for um, black kids and black professionals. Just teach you the basics. I can get some of my golf friends to help me out with that um, and outsource it there but that's something that I really want to do in the future. I know I can't do it right now um, but it's, it's definitely on my list but when I initially thought about it I was nervous. I was like man how am I going to you know, provide clubs and you know balls because golf is expensive you know, it's, it's definitely not cheap. So, <laughs> you know, I probably could have pulled it off, maybe, but um, I'm gonna do it eventually. But yeah, I was definitely nervous. So, what is the secret to getting a kid interested in golf? Because I was saying <laughs> my goal is for him to like golf. Like golf? Um, I mean, I got influenced by Tiger Woods. Um, of course, I grew up um in the '90s, and I went to private school. Uh, most of my life until high school. So um, my school had a golf team and I was like, I'm gonna sign up. So I signed up. Um, we started out hitting balls in like an open field. Um, and then I joined um, a golf organization called the First Tee. I think they're still active right now in um, a lot of cities around the U.S. So I joined that and um, just started playing competitively, played in high school. Um, but I think it fit my personality because I'm, I'm an introvert, I'm a loner anyway. Um, I enjoy being outdoors. And what I like most about golf is that you have to focus a lot because no one day of golf is the same you know today it might be sunny no wind tomorrow it might be sunny and some wind or it might just punch the green so you got to put over that you know so it's it's a lot um and everything is all on you you can't blame anybody else but yourself um so it teaches you extreme accountability that's what most people can't handle so um i think that's what attracted me to the game a lot but as far as your son um to start him early and see if he likes it if he sees you doing it he's gonna like i it. think that's true like yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you already got all the yeah. tools. You got everything you need already, Charles. You you play. Yeah. All you gotta do is take him to the. You know, just take him out there. It's like you kind of you gotta yeah. create the norm for him, right? Yeah, it's all it's about like exposure. On Sundays we go putt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just exposure. Yeah, you just yeah. take him, take him to with you to the country club. It's like we are a golfing family. You just yeah. it up. Start him early. Yeah. It should be no problem. And one thing I love about golf is a lot of rich people on the golf course. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it really hit me when I was younger because um, a lot of the older guys would invite us to play and of course they were gambling with a bunch of money but it didn't hit me like okay I was out there every day um, in the summertime you know working on my game um, but it didn't hit me like okay y'all been out here all day and y'all don't go to work so what are y'all doing <laughs> <laughs> You know, money. have crazy passive income, right? I'm like, that, this doesn't make any sense. That's you know? why the question is, do you feel like golf makes you a better person? Yeah, because of the accountability, if you do it the right way. Right. I mean, because I, I know a lot of people that cheat. Right. <laughs> you know, they might hit the ball in the divot and they might move it out. You know, there's it's plenty of ways to cheat in golf. So if you do it the right way, I think it does. Um, on top of knowing, at least being familiar with the rules, you know, the rules in golf change like every you know, year or whatever. So um, I think it does. It, it, it definitely keeps you honest. Yeah. I feel like if you do it right. I feel like golf and I was having this conversation with somebody I was playing with one day. It's kind of like running. It's like running. Yeah, you get fit and all the good benefits that come with that. But it's also like a mindset thing. And so when you're running, your mindset has to push through the pain. And so I feel like in life, when you're doing whatever you're doing, if you push through the pain, you get to the success. And so with golf, what I found is <clears throat> sometimes you might not hit the best shot, but it doesn't matter if you don't hit the best shot. What matters is that your next shot can capitalize yep. on that shot. And so I feel like that relates to business because you could hit a terrible drive and then you could still hit par on that hole or birdie that hole just by whatever happens from that next vantage point. And in business, it's the same. You start a business, it might fail, but what do you learn from that failure? I tell people that the Thai Capital Options community, which is probably one of the best businesses I've ever started, only exists because I did the Thai Capital Investment Club for free for multiple years. I learned how to lead people. I learned how to lead people at scale. I learned that I never want to do anything and not make any money at that at that point. And so now my Thai Capital Investment Club experience allows me to do this, which generates a lot of money. And so if you don't do anything, you can't get to the next thing. And so it's like, you got to do women's watches so you can find out that you like men's watches so that you can find out that you like naming your watches after certain things. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. It's like, Raphael, you got to launch the book because you never know what's coming after the book. What's the next shot after the book? I don't know. It might be a course. It might be another book. It might right. be whatever. It might be mentorship. But you got it. We don't suffer because we put out wrong stuff. We suffer because we don't put out anything. Mm -hmm. We're just over here trying to like make it perfect. Make it white people criticism proof. Make it Twitter 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 criticism proof. Like fuck Twitter criticism. Fuck white people criticism. And actually, they didn't really think about us at all. But like we need to put out more stuff. Sierra made thirty grand for putting out her own stuff. Like we need more of us producing more, doing more, giving more, adding more value to the community, not us over here holding back and letting them do all the producing because they're whack. Man, I feel I feel like Dame Dash. <laughs> 
yeah, one thing, um, golf taught me how to let go of holding grudges. Um, so when I was playing junior golf a lot, I would hit, hit a bad shot and I would get so mad and mess up like my whole first nine. Um, but then later I was like, man, I got to learn how to let it go. So if I hit a bad shot, you know, I might curse or I might slam my club <laughs> or sometimes I throw my club not too far. Um, but that, that 10 seconds of me letting go of that anger, it allows me to focus on the next shot and I hit an amazing next shot and it teaches you how to, um, always know how to get out of trouble. Like if you make a bad decision, you got to know how to recover from it. You know, I might be feeling good. I'm like, okay, I'm hitting it good today. I'm going to try to go straight over the water. I might hit it in the water. I might hit it in the sand trap, but I still have to know how to recover. Even though it wasn't my plans to go in that sand trap or go in the water, I got to know how to recover from that and make my neck shot good hit it on the green and recover still make far more of us need to be taking shots man I- I want yeah. that. I have a friend, <clears throat> and they listen to this podcast, and uh, he started a, a, a sunglass brand. And I think it's so dope. Like, he, the, uh, his frat brother, his line brother, who's also my frat brother, he has a shoelace company who's also a sponsor of our company. And I have another friend, he started a T-shirt company. And it's just so dope to see more of us producing things. Like, that is where wealth comes from. If you look at Black Wall Street, it wasn't a bunch of employees. It was a bunch of producers. It was a dentist, a lawyer a doctor, an accountant, a barber, a grocery store. Like, that's what we need. You can't build a Black Wall Street if it's just Charles doing everything. Like, no, we need everybody (laughs) doing their own, their fair share, building their own business. Like, of course, you need an OW girly, but you also need all the other unknown people that we don't know who are doing their part and running the airlines, doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, shout out to uh, Marlon and our new ad sponsor, Get Lace Laces. And shout out to them. Uh, you know the, the the sunglass brand? It's uh, I want to say it's uh, Okie Okieffa sunglasses. Okieffa. He's a Nigerian, and so he started his he started his brand after his last name, which is dope. Because I think he has three daughters. So it's like, we always talk about hustling for your last name. You named the brand after your last name. Now your kids step into that legacy. I was reading about, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was that, uh, when that one dude had like Black Lives Matter protesters show up on his front door and he brought out the big gun. I didn't see that. Did you guys see that? Mm-mm. You didn't see that? No. <laughs> oh man. So Black Lives Matters came onto his porch. He brought out like a full-on machine gun. And then his wife brought out like a little gun and they were like pointing it at the protest. Oh, I saw the meme. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So that home is owned by a personal injury lawyer, but the home was built by the founder of Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch built that mansion for his daughter for like as like a, a wedding gift. And I was like, that's so dope how things pass through the legacy, through your last name. Um, so I just kind of had to add that on there because we do all this with the last name. Yeah. Let's look for your last name. Visit GetLacedLaces.com. Do your sneakers look just like everyone else's? Could your sneakers use an upgrade? Be sure to slide on down to GetLacedLaces.com and grab some premium laces. These laces will make your sneakers stand out guaranteed. That's www.GetLacedLaces.com. Premium shoes need premium laces. Go get yours now. You can also connect on social media at Principal P DMC. So we were just talking a little while ago about uh, having the courage to be first and creating a business. So Maya, what, two things, what gave you the courage to create a business at all? And what gave you the courage to start 
a watch company and not be paralyzed by thinking, well, there's so many other watch companies out there, you know? Like, yeah. give you the courage to um, do that. I think I just... I don't know if it was courage. I just was tired of my life. And my life wasn't bad. Um, so I don't want to make it, you know, I don't want to paint that picture. I just, I just knew I could be doing more. And I knew I've never done anything that I wanted to do. You know, I've been busy doing like, you know, what my parents wanted me to do. And no disrespect my parents. You know, I love my, both my parents. But um, now I'm at a place where I, I do what I want, you know, and I don't really care what anybody thinks. So I think me feeling like my back was up against the wall, that I guess that gave me the courage to do it. Um, and as far watches I mean I've always liked watches anyway so it, it was just it was a no-brainer to me um if I could change anything I think I still would have done watches I probably just would have maybe done more research on it I was just so excited to get started so I started <laughs> you know but um but yeah I think that's what did it I just I just felt too complacent I was like I, I can be doing more like I'm smarter than this job I work you know yeah, I think so what's cool it. is you've been consistent and I think the customers trust consistency and some people, what they'll do is they'll launch a product, and if it does whatever it does, they're like, ah, I'm going to just go back to my job. <laughs> but what you did is you came up with a new product, and you continue to promote your products, you continue to create new content. And like for anybody listening, like that's what it takes. Like Dame Dash, and I know this guy, I know Raphael's going to mention this tweet, but he was talking about like, you don't hustle for the now, you hustle for five years from now. And so it's like, you don't even know what five years is going to look like. But if you don't do the work leading up to year five, you can't even get to year five. And year five in business going to make all those years of struggle look like nothing. You do, you hit year five in business when the brand is matured, when you have a hundred episodes of your podcast, when you have all these different things and now you're over here, you're doing a hundred thousand dollars a month. And you're just like, man, like I could do anything I want to do at this point. But I got there because I hustled from year zero to five when most people would have quit. Like most people, I was thinking about this. I was like, people think a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money but it's not free like a hundred thousand dollars is what people are aiming for and that's not even free you make a hundred thousand dollars you pay your bills you maybe save ten thousand dollars a year maybe say twenty thousand dollars a year that's not free free is i do what i want to do job or no job you get there when you start doing hundred thousand dollar months you get to hundred thousand dollars a month by building your business up year after year after year and hitting year five. Yeah, and I think um, before we can make that money, we need to learn money and how money works because a lot of us don't know that. Like, that's not taught in our community. Um, Charles, I remember you had um, Brian Robinson on your show uh, probably sometime like a year and a half ago. So that was a really good episode. And I was like, okay, I'm okay with my finance, but I can do better. So I hit Brian up for a consultation. Um, I was his client for maybe like six months, but I learned so much from him in those six months, like just putting my money in buckets. Like now I got money in accounts that I forgot about and just doing something so simple, cutting back on certain things and just like, it was life changing. Like I always appreciate Brian for, you know, giving me that financial education that I never really got. And I was a finance major. They didn't teach us that, you know. Mm. That's that's crazy. But but yeah. Cool. But yeah, we gotta learn money before we make money because if you make a lot of money you don't know how to handle it, I mean, that's pointless. We 
got to know what to do with it. True. Yeah, I like that. You got to learn money before you make money. So we got to be taking the courses, reading the books, mm-hmm. reading magazines like this one. I saw Maya had this. Um, I got that one, yep. <laughs> I bought yep. a couple of magazines. Uh, for those listening, I'm on a magazine called The Complete Guide to Get It Rich. And I saw it. You know, it's funny. I, I picked it up. And I was thinking, it's like, somebody see me picking this up. They're going to think um. I'm stupid, like buying a magazine <laughs> called The Complete Guide to Getting Rich. But I'm like, man, I got nah, As soon as I saw it, I saw it in um in the grocery store in Publix. I don't know if y'all have um Publix there. Um, But when I saw it at the register, I was like, I need it. That would be a good photo prop. And I'm pretty sure it has good information, so I just bought it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even I read the first few pages, but it's, it's some gems in there. I'm going to finish it. I still got it. Yeah, yeah, I haven't finished it either. I picked up... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I picked up yeah. a cup, this and another magazine. I got to the register. That's all it, and that's all I had. The two magazines, and then rang it up, and it was like twenty four dollars. I was like, "What?" Yeah, I paid like twenty six. I was like, I was like, like "Hey, what?" <laughs> I was Crazy. Like, the like, oh, okay, man, it's about money. So right. let me let me just pay for it. Yeah. Now, I saw you had it on your social media, so I said, "Let me break it out for this. Uh, let me break yeah. it out and read it today." Um, so yeah. my, you said I'm quick to drop money on something that will make me more money. Talk about that kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, I got probably about 10 gun roll courses. I'm still going through all of them, but I get excited about buying courses. Even if I know I'm not going to get to it like right away, I know I'm going to get to it later, um, you know, when the time is right. So, yeah, anything that can make me more money. I'm, I'm quick to spend money on the course versus, you know, dumb stuff now. <laughs> Um, especially now with the pandemic, it's like, it's no point in me going shopping for clothes and shoes. I mean, there ain't nowhere to go, but to, to work and the grocery store. So that ain't don't matter. Go, <laughs> <laughs> right. Forget the booty pick, girl. Let me see your gum roll account. Right. <laughs> let, me see, let me see what you're working with. Yeah, I'm, I, mean, yeah I think that's important. We need to be quicker about spending money on things that's going to make us more money instead of things that don't even matter like clothes and shoes like that's not gonna make you no money you know yeah it's funny what you said too because i don't recommend necessarily going out just buying a bunch of courses buying a bunch of courses and not implementing them that's that's not good but every now and then you got you might have to buy something and tuck it away like you mentioned Mm -hmm. brian brian the infamous CPA, he has a house hacking course. I'm like, I'm not Has he been on the show? Yeah, he was on the show already. Monetize the gifts. Yeah, he's been on here already. I say, you know, I'm not going to use this right away, but now that it's on mm-hmm. sale, that pre order sale, I'm going to buy it and tuck it away because I'm looking yeah, to, just tuck to it get away. it probably next year. I'm like, I'm not going to be ready for this right, right. now. I'm going to buy it and tuck it away. I, I watched mm-hmm. a little bit of it, but yeah. you got to yeah. gotta gather information sometimes. Mm-hmm. Can't, I, I yeah. know Charles yeah, talked about this before. I know you talked about this before too, Charles. Like, you know, sometimes getting info is not just forget just for the sake of getting info is not a waste all the time. You know, you gotta get the info, read the books, take the courses, get the knowledge. And Charles, you said people don't pay us for the info, they pay us to avoid the mistakes we made and skip right to the money making money part. Best part about having your own office is you get to do what you want to do. And sometimes that means drinking in the office. But most of the time, that <laughs> means listening to podcasts on the speaker when you're just working, like mindlessly just working, listening to podcasts. And so um, I listen to the Prince Donnell and Dana Chanel podcast a lot. Of course, I listen to Earn Your Leisure. 
I started listening to the Earn Your Leisure podcast on YouTube. I, I watch a lot of YouTube. That's pretty much all I watch. And um, I was like, let me finish the rest of this podcast. And so I was listening to Earn Your Leisure and they made that mention where the girl has like an Airbnb course. And she's saying like, I'm teaching you how to avoid all the mistakes that I made. And I was thinking that that's funny because that's what I do too. Like the mistakes that I made, the missteps that I made, all of the like, like think about it. If I'm teaching you how to do something, I'm teaching you, like, obviously I've made some mistakes along the way. And so I realized that, like, man, like, the game that I'm giving people is the stuff that I did wrong, the stuff that I don't encourage people to do. And that costs money. When you're in the stock market, your mistakes cost money. Mistakes aren't free. And so I thought it was a gym. Um, There's another thing that I tweeted about, like, starting, I think you're going to ask this. It was, like, starting a business um, that you're not necessarily qualified for, but then learning on the job. I was like, I got that from a podcast. And so the reason why that's important and the reason why I share that is because what you consume matters. What you listen to in your downtime matters, especially when you work for yourself. Like I realized like as I'm starting to kind of gradually work for myself, I can't bullshit. And so I'm listening to like the Bob Iger book. I, I'm over here really reconsidering if I can earn my golf. Not like I'm going golf and get sunny. Like, no, bro, did you earn it? Did you ship all the orders you're supposed to ship? Did you answer all the DMs you're supposed to answer? Did you put up all the content you're supposed to put up? Like when you become like fully self-employed, like it's real. And so with that, you can't really afford to not be sharpening the sword. Because if you're not on the job, a lot of times you learn on the job. If you're not on the job, now you've got to learn through getting books, going to uh, different workshops, uh, taking different programs. Like that's when you really got to sharpen the sword. You got to get ahead of the game. You don't get to not be educated just because you work for yourself. And so um, that's kind of where that came from. And hopefully I explained that tweet. But you know what's so funny about tweet talk is sometimes I think I'm rambling and then I listen to it. I'm like, that was a very coherent <laughs> statement. And I don't know if it's me or if it's Donald the Voice, but it all comes together in the end. So Maya, tell, tell us about more about 24-7 watches because it's not just a watch brand. I mean, you do wooden watches, right? Like, tell us more about the brand. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing wooden watches right now. Um, I'm looking through different manufacturers right now to uh, bring more styles. Um, so more more watches are coming. Um, I don't think I'm going to do wood watches anymore. If I if I do, it'll just be the fortune. The two-tone watch, everybody loves that one. So I'll probably I restock watch. that one. Yeah, everybody loves that one. Um, that's the top seller. Um, I'm going to do Apple Watch bands. Um, that's kind of, I know everybody wears Apple Watch bands. And I don't really see a lot of small watch businesses doing that. So I was like, I'm going to kill it with that. So I'm going to do that. Um, I have t-shirts on the way. Um, my samples are coming in. Um, but that's it. That's all I got planned. Um, my theme for like the brand or like my tagline or my slogan is, is your time as well because it is, you know, that's, that's the only reason I'm striving to make so much money so I can, you know, take my time buy my time back because I want to be able to wake up and fly to LA tomorrow if I want to or fly out tonight you know and not have to worry about anything you know that's that's like my ultimate life goal that's dope and you say you're in Alabama yeah mm-hmm. so I mean did you grow up in Alabama yeah born and raised in Birmingham yeah oh gotcha so the let's say uh, the black community you grew up in or the black people around where you grew up would you mm-hmm. say there were a lot of entrepreneurs there no uh, it was a lot of entrepreneurs like in my family um 
Um, my grandmother has been selling real estate since I've known her. So she's been doing it for at least 40 years. So that's all she's ever done um, as far as I know. So that's all she does. She's um, pulled in millions of dollars doing real estate. And I remember seeing that when I was a kid. I was like, yeah, my grandmother's making a million dollars. That's dope. You know, um, my mom does real estate. She's about to transition into that full time. She's about to retire. Um, a lot of my cousins invest in rental properties. Um, I had a great uncle. He um, passed away some years ago but um he developed a neighborhood like on the east side of Birmingham like a whole neighborhood so he was a developer and he was a broker so and I wish I had more time with him I was just too young to realize how dope that was like I was Mm -hmm. like five so but yeah I'm like man that's like my family really does this so I think it was in me early I just it just took me some time to to tap into it like when I was in high school I used to sell candy and snacks um and I would count on my money you know after school um but yeah entrepreneurship I think it was always destined for me. I just had to find my way back to it. And I probably ramble there, but <laughs> it made sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I ask you that because, you know, we got to become the business owners that, you know, the kids can look up to. You know, mm-hmm. let, them, yeah. let them see it's not just possible, but normal. You got to normalize this stuff. Speaking mm-hmm. of business owners that our kids look up to, I was going to tweet this, but I never did. But I was like, every time I'm in the office, like the law firm owner, he he knows I had a son. He always refers to my son as like a future quarterback or like a future football player or something. And I was like, why can't my son be a boss? <laughs> right. <laughs> we own the team. We can do more than just play sports. Right. It's That's where if you're not an athlete, why would you see your son as a future? Right. Anyway. I feel like maybe he, he probably like, he probably thinks it's a compliment, but I don't think it's a compliment. Mm-hmm. Oh, probably because he's probably because well, he's already in boss because he's you probably because of course you're black, but you're also like what six one, six one, yeah. So I guess he's thinking his son's gonna be at least six one. Yeah. And but the crazy part about it is, like, I feel like in a lot of respects, that could actually ruin you because his children play basketball, but they know there's no future in that for them. Like they're just young little small Jewish kids, and so I feel like if you know there's no future in that. For you, you're gonna take your grades seriously. You're gonna take what you're gonna do seriously. You're not going to forego all of that in hopes of. And a lot of people, that's what they do. They're like, you know, I'm gonna be dunking on these fools soon. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they just like neglect everything that could potentially create a lucrative career in hopes of becoming LeBron James, not realizing there's one LeBron James. One. Right. So it's like, imagine if we had young men who could have been LeBron James, but instead they became a billionaire. Like, oh, I just accidentally became a billionaire. Like, we need more of those. We need more accidental billionaires and less yeah. accidental drug dealers. I don't, I don't, I don't normally drink Hennessy, by the way. It's just very easy to access in downtown. LA. They don't have really, they don't have the best selection in downtown LA. At home, I have whiskey. In the I office like in downtown LA, I have. Yeah, but you can get. But it's your office now. You can get anything in your office. You build but your I, mean, own bar. I could, I could have it shipped to you. You're right about that. Yeah, man, you can build up your own bar. I kind of have one, but I need more. I've been drinking through it all. I got all my inventory in here. My wife was like, "You need to get this inventory out of the house." <laughs> I got these big old boxes from China. Oh, right, 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 right. But I'm looking. To, I need more stuff. Like I'm 10x, so I'm like, what? I need a backpack. I'm looking for backpacks mm-hmm. next. Um, I'm just trying to figure out. I actually saw like one of those like toiletry bags. I was in Nordstrom, and I was like, I could do one of those too. So Definitely. I'm the kind of person that it's like I need to throw as much at the market as possible, and then when I find out what hits, we double down on what hits, and hopefully just get even, kind of like 
people buying different things. We put together different combo packs. Like I feel like one of the, the dopest things about building a successful business is you no longer have to prove that you can build a successful business. Now it's like you start approaching stuff like, hey, I built this. Now let's go and build this next project. Like Elon Musk. Elon Musk started his first company. He sold it. And I was like, all right, cool. I proved myself. Let's go build the next thing. And so that's where I am. And I think that's where a lot of us should be. It's like, let's build that first thing. Because that first thing is not the last thing. That first thing is just a step into where you're going. So if you approach it as that, it kind of helps you take off a pedestal a little bit and just do the work. I was telling you, man, you got to come up with a diaper bag for Christmas, man, for all the Rona babies that are going to be born. I could do that. That's a good idea. That would be dope. All people that are stuck at home back in March and April going to have them babies after the holidays. (laughs) Anyway, so, Maya, um, Charles mentioned Black Lives Matters. And you said, anybody have a question what Black Lives Matters is doing with the donation money? I didn't see it on the website. What are they? I don't know what they're doing with it. I think they need to be more clear. I'm like, okay, if you want all these donations and you want people's support, I need to know where the money is going. So my issue with Black Lives Matter is they only show up after the fact. Mm. Like, I I try to show Black Lives Matter on a day-to-day basis. When I walk across all these African-American men in downtown LA that are poor and distraught, I try to invest back into them. When I create a, a Black Wealth, a Black Men Building Wealth Conference, I try to invest back in them. When I promote their business, I try to invest back in them. And what's frustrating is I feel like we are kind of like it's kind of like that whole thing where you are you are responding to the problem what is it you're you're responding to the symptoms but you're not responding to the actual like problem and so we're saying oh man black men are getting shot but we're not looking like why why are they getting shot and then you start looking at like dang he was over here trying to sell cigarettes oh he was over here trying to uh pass a, a fake counterfeit bill counterfeit bill oh, he was stealing something out of the store. And we constantly see that it's money-oriented crimes. And what frustrates me is that we have a community. I was thinking about this. I was like, it's so funny how it's like we have chivalry, but we also have equality. I was like, can you have quality and chivalry at the same time? I'm confused. Because like I feel like chivalry kind of takes into consideration that the woman is, you need to put her up on a pedestal because the man is dominant and whatnot. But I was like, how do you have both? And so my frustration is like we have a culture that puts a lot of resources into the woman to the neglect of the man. And most men don't make it. They don't. We always talk about how these African-American men are in jail for nonviolent crimes. Why do they commit the nonviolent crimes? Let's address the actual issue. Let's not address what police are doing. If you really care, because I feel like a lot of times people don't really care what really what they care is punishing white people. They're like, he needs to go to jail because he did some bad stuff instead of actually preserving black life or elevating black life or creating black wealth. That's my goal. And anybody who knows me knows that's my goal. Anybody who knows me knows that I have a consistent track record of that being the focus of everything that I do. And so it's frustrating to then come on the internet and disagree with Black Lives Matter and all of a sudden I'm anti-black. All of a sudden I hate myself. All of a sudden I ain't done shit for black people when the proof is in the results, not in the words. So I say all that to say that like, it would be great if Black Lives Matter took that money and started reinvesting into communities, started creating programs, started doing all these great things to actually solve a problem, as opposed to just being a kind of liberal, like 
special purpose organization, mm-hmm. like a, a super PAC. Like that's all they really are. It's like they fund Joe Biden. Joe Biden said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Yeah. It's like, what does that even mean? Stupid. Like, yeah. <laughs> now the white guys get get to tell you whether you're black or not. That enough black people are trying to tell you, but now the white guys trying to tell you. Right. That's crazy. That's some funny stuff. And Charles, you said the solution is always build some shit. The solution is never protest. I feel like those that tweet and the tweet that I talked about, like starting a business, go hand in hand. So I'm not gonna go into too much detail about that, but I was thinking about how like we always talk about how we struggled because they didn't like lend us. Like I saw this, I saw this um, post and the post was talking about how um, back in the day we had a, a reparation sit. Well, we had a situation where people were building these suburbs, but in those suburbs you had restrictive covenants that basically said you can't sell to black people. And so they're saying like, Oh, since we can't own homes, we couldn't build wealth. And that wealth then passed on to the next generation, and that's why we're losing. And I was like, well, let's just start our own banks. Granted, I feel like that's probably a more pressing case for reparations than slavery. I still feel like, because you can trace the money back there, I still feel like at the end of the day, we got to solve our own problems. I don't know any other community that's not out here solving their own problems. Hispanics have their own bank. Asians have their own banks. Jews have their own banks. Everybody has their own banks except for us. We're just over here like, please give us loans. And they don't give us loans. And then we complain that they don't give us loans. And so I feel like the, the solution has to be us solving our own problems. And, it, and, it, and that's just like a macro level. Let's bring it down to like a micro level. I know we've seen people, we've grown up with people who like had parents who did things for them. And you're over here like, dang, I wish my parents did something for me. And so it's like, you can take that two ways. That's considered privilege. You could either hustle up and become great, or you could just sit back and do nothing. The person who hustles up and becomes great ends up lapping the person who had all this privilege. And then you're over here feeling bad for them because it's like that stuff has a limit. And so, for example, I always talk about like when I was in college, like there's people who they got all these grants, they got all this free money. I didn't get that free money. I couldn't shop. People who like their dad might have bought them that BMW. Their dad might have bought them that Rolex. Their dad might have bought all them all that nice stuff. And you're over here looking at some young person with a Rolex and a Beamer. You're kind of jealous. And then it's like you use that to fuel your ambition and your hustle. And now it's like you buy whatever you want. And they're over here still waiting on daddy. And so it's like, as a culture, we got to become the independent person that's like, I got it myself. That means not only can I get better than what you have, I can also get the upgrade. While they're over here still waiting on daddy to upgrade them. Like, it's not, it, it, it's it's so broad and also so narrow that it makes sense. It's like African-American people got to do for ourselves because you don't even know, like we always talk about that. It's like we get civil rights and then what's next? And then what's next? And then what's next? All they do is evolve. You get rid of slavery. Oh, damn Jim Crow. You get rid of Jim Crow. Oh, damn this. It's like you get rid of the next thing and it's going to evolve because you're asking them to do it. You're asking daddy to save you instead of saving yourself. And then they evolve and then you save yourself again. It's like, that's the way it works. You don't you don't get what you want by asking other people to give it to you. Yeah, I think we're like that though. I think it goes back to again representation and having that confidence. Cause like growing up, I struggled with confidence. Like I didn't even I didn't even think I was gonna get into law school. I was actually shocked when I got that acceptance letter. Um, and even when I got in, I got humbled because I was like, okay, I'm not dumb. I'm kind of smart, but you know, learning the law is like learning a new language. So you know, when you start reading all the law jargon and the and the Latin and everything like that, I was like, okay, I have to look at the Black's Law Dictionary for 
every other word that was frustrating to me, you know. Um, but of course, as time got along, you know, went along, I didn't have to use the Black Law Dictionary as much. I was more familiar with the terms, but I just, I wasn't confident because I didn't see a lot of successful Black people, you know, outside of, you know, maybe my family, but I just didn't see it a lot. And I think that's that's part of our community's problem. We just don't see enough of it. Like, like, that's why it, yeah. the, the, the Ty Capital Manor podcast exists. That's why my social media mm-hmm. exists in the way that it does for the longest time, even Blacker Pockets. Like the goal was just to show people that it's possible because I feel like we have to instill that confidence. Like for me, I've always had this expectation that I'm supposed to have it. And a lot of times that creates frustration because if you expect to have it and you don't have it, you're just like, damn, where my shit? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) like that's the downside because I feel like my mom's always told me that like, you're great, you can do whatever you want to do, blah, blah, blah. And so I feel like that's kind of translated, but it's also fueled me in a lot of ways because when I don't have what I want, I don't stop until I get it. And so I feel like as a culture, we have to instill confidence in each other. We mm-hmm. have to, we can't use derogatory language, can't speak limitations. We can't tell people what they can't do, what's too hard, what's too expensive on purpose, even if it's not 100% true. Like mm-hmm. we, ha- even, even if like the limitations are real, we got to act as if they aren't. Even if it's actually difficult, we got to act as though we can get it done because that confidence is going to allow you to move mountains. And so many of us are realists. And we're over here talking about what happened. Like, oh man, they oppressed us and they enslaved us. And I was talking about like, People are going to throw that stuff at you and they're right. They're right. Yeah. All that bad stuff happened. But what are we doing in the moment? What are we building now? It's so interesting because it's like you see like Caucasian women, like Caucasian women were oppressed for a long time. Like they were in a situation where like they were stuck in the home. They had to like fight to vote, fight to get out of the house. But you don't see them still talking about the bad times. They're only talking about what they're doing now. Like, I feel like, imagine them saying like, well, I mean, we have the wage gap, but we, if, if, if we weren't stuck in the house all those years, then we'd be good. Like, no, they're just out here just doing what they got to do. And I feel like we got to kind of adopt that approach, just doing what we have to do in the moment, because talking about old shit ain't going, we ain't going to ever change the old shit. It's not going anywhere. History's not going anywhere. What is going to go somewhere is our past, if we make it go somewhere. But if all we do is talk about what we can't do and what's impossible and what's hard or what they ain't going to let us do, yep. we never even know what we can do, man. And it's, it's frustrating. Yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Will Smith said that to be successful, he thinks that you have to be delusional in a certain sense. Like, you really have to believe everything that you want. Even if it sounds crazy, you got to believe it and you got to put in the work. Um, like I said, now after seeing all these black people making all this money every day, like I think I can do anything like as long as I put in the work I can literally do anything 100% like nobody can stop me at all so it's it's so weird that we really give a bunch of corny people all these props and we're just out here not pressing forward into our goals when we are dope and we're capable and competent and you got these people who can't dance who don't have any swag who don't have any edge and they're just out here just like winning over us like they're not better than us we're just uh, we're just allowing them to go ahead and beat us like i was i was so frustrated i'm gonna i was gonna tweet this today i was driving i was riding my scooter through downtown la and i saw this asian kid in a bentley truck and he looked he was a nerd and i was like how i was like i was gonna tweet i was like i'm sick of seeing all these weirdo lame ass asian kids driving cars i should be driving driving the the, the lamborghini huracans and it's like they only get to drive them because they built a business. They're not better than us, not more swag than us, not smarter than us. They just did the right stuff. 
Because when you when you start seeing what a business can do, it's nuts. I always talk about like aiming to replace your salary is a low goal because a business, especially a business that's global, like these social media businesses are, mm-hmm. you can make your annual salary in a month yep. to the point where it's like a Bentley truck, like that's low cost. Like a Bentley truck is easy. It's almost kind of scary. It's like we could be in Bentley truck levels. We just got to believe that we can be in Bentley truck levels and stop putting other people People in like it's losers. It's they're not geniuses. I remember I was in downtown. I was in like Sherman Oaks, and I put out a, an Instagram, and I was like, "These folks aren't better than us. They're average. All they did was do the right stuff. All they did was go into business, and they probably aren't the best in business. They probably have the best customer service. They probably have the best product. Like if you go to Watts, there's a burger stand. They have the best product. But you go to Chinatown, and they're out here selling you Chinese food. It ain't all that. It just <laughs> we just decided to put it out. We are capable, man. We are capable. And, Ma, you said um, entrepreneur tip number one, treat Sunday like it's Monday. Explain that one. Yeah, I usually take Sundays to prepare for the week ahead. Um, so I kind of relax and I do work at the same time, but I think, um, Sundays can really set the tone for your week because, um, keeping that mindset and staying focused, at least for me, um, everybody else might be different. It helps me. Like if I don't, if I don't plan my week, I don't have a productive week and I can't afford to not have a productive week, you know, with the goals that I'm trying to reach. So Sundays, um, are very important to me to lay out, you know, everything. So I think if we, if we start doing that, you know, we'll be, we'll be ahead and you got to be willing to sacrifice like it's times i, I want to hang out with my friends and do other things but i know that i'm trying to build something for me and if i get married and have a family one day you know i want to have something for, for them and i want my husband to be on the same thing you know so that's all i can think about and you're real. what you plan yep can you take a screenshot of this right here what are you really a screenshot me you leaning back yeah <laughs> i feel real swanky right Uh, um, Sierra made she had a tweet about that and she was talking about like on Sundays she plans everything she plans her meals Mm -hmm. she plans her workouts she plans her work and like me being lazy I'm not a lazy person but me being lazy in this regard I feel like that takes work but there's always results on the side of your work like because Sunday is like usually a lazy day like you don't want to do too much on Sunday so it's like the person who does that extra thing is going to come out ahead just like the person who wakes up at four o'clock is going to come out ahead and so i feel like anybody listening to this and myself included because i always listen to our shows i feel like that is what's required to, to stay take it up a notch it's like it's one thing to say you want results and then hit monday and then the whole whirlwind is around you you got you're getting dms you're getting emails you're getting work stuff you're getting business stuff like it's so difficult but it's like sunday is a quiet time like in it's a quiet time in that like you can legitimately ignore people and so like take that time to get that edge and i'm gonna do that like i'm gonna make it a point this sunday to take time to plan my meals my workouts when i'm gonna do it and i want to be more organized in that capacity cool. well charles you said yeah, Raphael, i feel like hmm? Feel like I took all the tweets, but <laughs> well, I got one more yours that somebody actually requested to hear. 
Uh, I like that. We should do that more often. Yeah, right? Um, Before I said that, somebody actually DM'd me on Instagram saying that, because I started putting in the show notes, like any books that we mentioned in the the podcast. Somebody DM'd me and said that I should put also people that we mentioned in the podcast, because we talk about Chris. (laughs) We, we, We talk about Chris a lot. So we say Chris, 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 and we just assume everybody knows who Chris is. And the guy was like, it took me uh, like a couple of weeks to figure out who this Chris guy was and to find him on Twitter. (laughs) So he was like, it took me a while to figure out who Chris was, man. That's funny. So this one looks like you took a quote. I don't know if you took it from a a book, audio book, or what. You said rich people focus on their network. Poor people focus on their working income. Um... That book came from The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And uh, I, I've just been, I, I do it a lot. I scan books that I've read to find the gems that I need to kind of refresh myself on. And um, that was one that I saw. And I feel like it resonated with me because I feel like once you get to a certain point, you start making net worth moves. You don't really start making just income moves especially working income moves. And I feel like this relates a lot to the whole like six figure income. Like I have a high income that's attached to a job that can disappear at any moment, as opposed to like, what's your net worth? What do you own? And I feel like net worth is ownership oriented and income is employee oriented. And so it's like, that's one piece, but also like don't despise net worth plays. A lot of times, and I'm kind of I'm kind of guilty of this, is I'll look at like real estate transactions and I'll always compare it to like the cash flow I can get from business. And so I'm like, man, I could spend 30 grand on a house or I could spend 30 grand on 30 grand worth of vending machines and the cash flow is going to be exponential, but it's not an equal comparison because quite honestly, you probably can't sell that vending machine route or whatever business for that same amount of money that you bought it for. And so sometimes in real estate, in real estate you have to look at not just the cash flow, meaning the income, but you also have to look at the appreciation and you also have to look at the actual just retained value. Everything that we own can be sold for what we paid for it. And so I think wealth building is a combination of net worth and income. And a lot of times you, turn, you take that income and you turn it into net worth. And so that's why you'll never see me spending a windflow. I don't spend gumroad money. I save gumroad money. I spend Thai capital options community money. That's the money that I spend. If anybody ever sees me spending money, that's the money I'm spending. And that's why I told my wife, I was like, you tripping. And the reason why I spend it is because it's recurring. Like if I spend it, I'm going to get it right back. But I can't guarantee that I'm going to get gumroad money right back. And so um, that's the kind of the, the idea behind that tweet. Um, it was an idea that I had. And it's so funny because it's just an idea that I had. And then I was like, I need to find the book that I pulled this from. So like a lot of times I have ideas and I have these things that I talk about. And there's always a book rooted in it. And so I find that. Let me go close this door. You guys can carry on, man. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that? My uh, net worth versus um, income, cash flow. You said what? What versus uh, cash flow? Net worth versus uh, income and cash flow. Yeah, I think that's true. Wealthy people do um, focus on that, but again, it just comes back down to us just being in survival 
mode all the time. And we just get, we get caught up in that living paycheck, paycheck life because that's normal for us. And we think that that's like, oh, it's normal. Everybody else living paycheck to paycheck. So, you know, what's wrong with that? You know, we don't, we just don't think we can do more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this mindset is everything. I think it's cool because it, it shifts you out of the paycheck mentality. Mm-hmm. And I feel like paycheck mentality is like anti-wealth. Um, it's not a lot of wealthy people getting paychecks so much so that if you look at like the paycheck for Jeff Bezos and all these CEOs, like they're not making anything paycheck wise, all their money comes from the stock they own and the company that they run. And so when you start looking at life that way, I feel like you, you have to emulate what what wealthy people do. Like, that's just what I do. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not out here creating the wheel. I'm out here saying, what the hell did Elon Musk do? What did Warren Buffett do? What did all these dope people do? Mm -hmm. And then can I do it? (laughs) Like, that's what I do. And so they focus on their net worth. And of course, they're making income. Mm -hmm. But your eye has to be on your wealth and your eye has to be on your your, your, what's going to appreciate and value. I feel like that's whack. That's the last tweet, man. Uh, that's not well. That's not the last tweet. That's not the last tweet, man. But um, <laughs> yeah. do you randomly pick the tweets, or do you like look over them? I look over them. I, I get them ready before before um before the show, and then I kind of like decide as it goes on how mm-hmm. then how it's flowing, which which ones to ask in what order. Right? I okay. even get them beforehand. You know, every Raphael, now and then. What do you do? I feel like I don't know anything about. We don't know who Raphael is, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us who you are. <laughs> like, I yeah. listen to this podcast all the time, but I don't know what you do. <laughs> That's okay by me, usually. But <laughs> what do I do? So, Charles got the Sun of Shades on. I am a, <laughs> I'm a production supervisor for a company that I will not name. They're a publicly traded Lost. company, publicly mm-hmm. traded company, and I'm just high up enough in the company that I can get myself in trouble if I say the wrong thing. You know, I can't buy and sell the stock unless it's certain times mm-hmm. of the year and stuff like that. But you are balling. I didn't even know these things about Raphael. I'm not balling. It's just like I'm I didn't just, even know this. This I'm dude a, is an insider of a publicly traded company. This is impressive. I mean, legally speaking, I could be considered an, an insider. Like if I there are certain um well, I'll explain it for people that are listening, like Charles will understand, but for some people that are listening might not know anything about this. Because I'm in management at this publicly traded company, there are certain blackout windows like maybe three months of the year or so or every couple of months there's a certain maybe two months at a time i cannot buy or sell stock in the company that i work for otherwise i can get myself in trouble if if they find out you know what i'm saying it's just because i'm considered inside like charles says and i guess legally speaking it would be called insider trading which is illegal so you know since i have some knowledge of not much, but I have some knowledge of the moves that the company will be making and some of the inner workings of the company. So if we looked at it, I have insider knowledge. So there's, you know, like right before, I think it's usually right before earnings, I can't, the, the window closes and I can't buy myself or do anything. So like the particular company I work for has benefited a lot through COVID-19, like business went through the roof. The stock, nah. <laughs> <laughs> the stock went bananas and, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I could not 
that's pretty lame, man. I feel like you gotta take that risk, but I'm just kidding. Don't don't listen to me. <laughs> don't listen to me. <laughs> like the, the the stock probably went ten times multiple over what it was doing before COVID nineteen. And I couldn't do anything, you know. So and for those listening, if you got a job and you're looking to get a new job, try to get a job where you can get stock options. Just something to think about. So I'm a production supervisor. I'm in I'm, I'm technically speaking, I'm in uh, warehouse management. You know, which is funny because Leonard that runs um, InvestorsTheTeam.com, which is our original sponsor, he also was in warehouse management. So that's, that's strange. He, he did a lot bigger things than me. But yeah, so I work at a warehouse and I run a team. And I don't know if I should say this, but it's been rough because the company I work for, they hire a lot of our people and a lot of people from the hood. And it has been an eye-opening experience for me. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Charles knows where I'm going with that. It's been an eye opener. Let me just say it like that. I didn't know. I've lived in the hood for a long time, but I don't necessarily mix with a lot of people from the hood. So I did not know people like this really existed. Man. Like I've seen. <laughs> like I, I gotta say honestly, like you know, I've been around people that you know I knew there were thugs, there was drug dealers and stuff like that. But even some of the regular people, like through my job, I've seen like a lot of people like they don't like they don't want to work. Like they literally don't want to work. They have the job, but they literally don't want to work. They don't want to follow rules, like basic rules. They're like you know, you tell them to follow rules is like don't treat me like a child. Well, stop treat, stop acting like a child. The company won't treat you like a child if you stop acting like a child. Like basic little rules that are not unreasonable. Like follow the rules. Like show up on time. You got a thirty minute break. Don't take forty five minutes to an hour. You know what I'm saying? You know, and I work with like ex cons, drug dealers gang members, whatever, like, and some of them still dipping into it, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That one guy, like, you used to report to me. I think, I think you, you might, you might be at risk, man. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right. <laughs> a, lot of these, a, lot, a lot of, like, the bad stuff really, like, got weeded out. It's, it's a lot better than it used to be. All right. Although, I was just going to say, somebody used to report to me just got killed a couple of weeks ago, but that's another mm-hmm. thing. And this is all in New York or New Jersey? New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, man. I got to go to, I'm going to see New Jersey one day and New York. Definitely gotta come to New York, man. A tweet talking person. That'd be dope. That'd be dope. Definitely gotta be. Um, it sounds like you're out there repping it, man. I'm, I'm good now, man. I'm, I'm all right, man. Not a maneuver. I'm good. Everything's good. It's just, it's just sad to see because the company is owned by certain, like, it's mostly white people own the company, but they've given a lot of black people a lot, they've given us a lot of chances. They've hired a lot of people from the hood, they've they've hired black people into management, everything. They gave people an opportunity to work from the bottom up, and a lot of people just did not take it. And it's just sad to see, like, some people just don't want responsibility, some people just don't want to work, some people just don't recognize the opportunity. That's just sad, you know. Like they, I think you should start a nonprofit organization, and you should mentor these brothers. I don't know about that, but there's no saving them. Um, some of them, no. I got <laughs> some of them, no. You know, Raphael, one of the things that I think that we don't do enough is we don't ask you about your tweets. So next week, I'm bringing tweets for you. Right. Next week, I'm going to ask you to explain your tweets, all right? Got you, got you. And you said, Maya, people don't like when you question things and use your common sense. That's always been funny to me. 
No, they don't. Um, and that tweet was really like meant for the pandemic that's going on. Because, um, like I said, I'm a, a bit of a conspiracy theorist sometimes. Um, so I try not to take myself down a rabbit hole, but sometimes I do. Um, so, like, with the whole wearing masks thing in public, I mean, I do it. Um, so people won't look at me weird or anything. But um, I guess, like, you know, can you prove that people haven't caught the virus that been wearing masks? No, you know, I just, I just have a lot of questions. Um, and if it's, if it's so deadly, then you know, the the skin is the largest organ on our body, so we really need to be outside with full body suits. That's, you know, that's how I feel about it. But the news just pushes, oh, wear your mask and save a life. Like, is it really that simple, or you just want us to live in fear? You know, um, but I don't really say things like that. I guess in public. Because you will get, you will hate on you. I know. (laughs) Oh my God, my great great cousin, second twice removed, died from coronavirus. Like, how do you know that? Like, I feel like that's the weirdest thing. Is like, I don't know anybody (laughs) in my family who actually has caught the disease or the the infection or whatever. Mm -hmm. I have a big ass family on both sides of the country, and it's frustrating because it's like I tell people that a lot of the same people who believe this whole coronavirus situation mm-hmm. are also the same people who believe a lot of really bad things about the president. And people have their opinions, but I just feel like people are too influenced by the media and they don't even realize that they're influenced by the media. And the problem with being influenced by the media isn't so much that you're influenced by the media, it's that you don't think. Yeah. And so it's like, I can watch the media, but I'm gonna still think. And you have to think because thinkers are powerful and they say that thinking is the hardest work that you'll ever do. And that's why most people don't do it. And so it's frustrating to just take what they're giving you and just say like, okay, this is what we're doing now. It's like, that's like mindless activity. And those same people have so many harsh words to call you when you just have the audacity to think. Mm -hmm. The audacity to not just follow instructions. Like, how dare you actually use your brain? Like, we don't do that around here. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because... It's been too crazy. It's kind of like Maya was saying, like, I I wear the mask just because that's kind of like what it's expected. I don't wear it's it for my own protection. Now. I don't even wear it for my yeah. own protection because I'm really not worried. But yeah. I get mad when I step out of the house and I say, ah, man, I got to go back. I forgot my mask. Right. So I go back. Yeah. <laughs> you got to keep on in the Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, I got man. like five masks in my car. Like, <laughs> I keep one hanging on the doorknob. You got to wear them at work. Yeah. Exactly. Hanging on the doorknob and still walk past it. <laughs> <laughs> this is so stupid and lame like over it everywhere I, I feel like people are starting to kind of like press through it like mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people in Vegas I've seen some people traveling to different locations and it's like what are we gonna do just sit in the house and wait for it to go away yeah. like it's not gonna go away what's gonna happen is we're gonna live our life mm-hmm. we're gonna adapt we're gonna make sure we wash our hands make sure we're not being reckless make sure all these whatever things but like we're gonna live our life in a unique fashion and then in maybe 12 months they're going to say hey we have a cure now come get your shot and then life is going to go back but it's like the idea that we're just supposed to all sit in the house and do nothing is just Mm. ridiculous i I just i'm not for it yeah you know what people get cabin fever like it's not gonna happen like that definitely i'm definitely going to start crazy and you know who suffers the most from this kind of thing we do because we don't have the businesses business slows down and Mm -hmm. we don't own the businesses but the people that do own the business they lose out but they can always 
cut back on employees. Yeah, yeah exactly. They can, they can fire your ass. Like. It's kind of like, like Robert Kiyosaki says, he's like, when, if you're like a business owner and you go through like a bad time, you just lower prices. Like when an employee gets fired, yeah. So it's like, I'd rather be the person who's in charge of just saying like, I'm either going to raise or lower prices to make it through this time or fire employees to make it through this time. Not the person who's like, I'm just going to go on unemployment and get a whatever situation. So, yeah. yep. So we got to build businesses, man. And I feel like this is like the longest episode of Tweet Talks ever. It's not. Not even close. <laughs> the last few ones have been really short, though. I was kind of disappointed. I was like, bro, like that ended too quick. But when we have a guest, we they do take longer, so because yeah. we have twice as many tweets to go through. Right. Charles, you say if you don't have naysayers, you might be too late to the party. And that's a bar. And I've I've said this before in a different capacity, and I think I was talking about how like if people aren't laughing at what you're doing, you're probably headed toward mediocrity. And I just feel like if if you don't have naysayers, you're probably doing something that everybody else has already done. So you might be creating a podcast or creating a blog or creating whatever after everybody's been doing it. And so what frustrates me is that I feel like that's what people wait to do. They're like, man, I'm going to, I don't want to be the first because I don't want B real estate to be coming for me. And I was like, B real estate can come for me because if he's coming for me, I'm making M's. And that's the thing. You're, you, if you create criticism, you're getting M's. But if you're late, yeah. you're getting, I don't know what you're getting. You're getting crumbs. <laughs> there we go. So it's like, if you, if you are a leader, you get M's. If you're a laggard, you get crumbs. You get what everybody has eaten off of. All these electronic car companies coming to the market, they're behind Tesla. So people are like, oh, it's the next Tesla. No, Elon dominates that market. He literally dominates the car market. And not only does he dominate it because people are buying his cars, but he dominates because he has his chargers all over the country. He has his stores in every single mall. And so that's why you got to be first. When he was first, they were laughing. They were making fun of him. They're saying people are not going to drive electric cars. They can't charge and the battery's not long enough. They were laughing at Elon Musk in his face. They called him stupid, out of touch. If they do that when you're touching multiple Bs, they're going to do that when you're touching Ms. And so if I, I do this because I want people to understand the reality of business, not the college of business. In college of business, it all works out. You don't got to hear opinions from people who don't want, who don't even know anything. You don't got to deal with the lack of support. In college, it just all works out. You put A plus B equals successful business. In real life, you don't get smacked. You don't get smacked by the people that you didn't think were going to smack you. And then after you win, those people who smacked you are going to show up like, hey, man. And so <laughs> it's like, I just, I feel like that's where we need to be as a people um, in that space. Well, how, how much, like, what kind of hate have you gotten, Maya, since you started 24-7 watchings? She's a very nice person. I don't think she's gotten any hate. I haven't, well, I haven't gotten any visible hate. I mean, but I'm pretty sure I have some out there. They just haven't said anything. But I kind of, I kind of stay low. You know, I'm not, I'm not really in the spotlight too much. So, guess you got a flash yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, once you maybe one day. Not yet. <laughs> Pull up on them in the Tesla with the red seat. Why didn't you ask me that question, uh, Raphael? Come on, Charles. You know, I hate to like it, man. You did like a whole episode. Everybody sees the hate. That's true. Very true. Everybody sees the hate you get. 
In fact, when you first posted, or like either the first tweet or one of the first tweets about the new um, bag, the views, somebody in the comments was like, "What's like, what's your marketing plan or something?" It's the obvious copycat bag. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I didn't even see that. That's funny. <laughs> it's an obvious copycat brand. So what are you planning to do? And he was saying it like, like he was he was saying it like he wasn't even hating. Like he was just asking the question. Like he probably didn't even have a business. Did he even have a business? I never seen him before. So I didn't I didn't even click on his profile to see what he was about. I was just like, those are your biggest haters. Yeah. Is the people who don't have anything. That's true. People with no um and no profile pics at all. <laughs> How do you stay on Twitter with no no, no picture? Exactly. They need to make that mandatory. Like you gotta put something up there. Not even a cartoon picture or nothing like. Yeah. <laughs> hiding behind a gray a gray circle mm-hmm. and talking shit about. It, it kind of reminds me of that tweet that Chris put out. And he was like, people will hate on you for selling products from China and then go and buy all their stuff from Target. It's like, right. all of us get our products from China. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why not just be another China retailer? Like, right. I hate when, I, what I really hate is when people, I've seen it mostly with, um, for some reason, I see this mostly with black women. It's usually around cosmetics or something like that. Lashes, wigs, whatever. They put, they say, oh, look at my new brand, whatever. And somebody say, ah, oh, they got that off of Alibaba. Or they, or they start researching the vendors. She paid $2.19 for this and want to sell it for $20. That's like the lamest stuff I, I hate. Myself. That proves we don't know anything about business. Like, that's how you do it. You get it for cheap and you mark the price up. Like, that's the American way. Right. It's like, like this is what I want. <laughs> yeah. Like, they failed to, the test. <laughs> like, you're supposed to buy for two dollars and sell it for two dollars. Like, come on, man. Right. You're working I, for free, then. It's just it's lame that like somebody's trying to out somebody else. They're like, oh, here's their supplier. Just go buy it directly from the supplier. Like, bro, like, why are you hating right. this person's business? But also, I've actually seen like a rebuttal to that where they were like, well, are you going to buy two hundred pairs of lashes? <laughs> 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 right, you get a you get a cheap price because you're buying them both. Right. All right, so let's wrap this up. Maya, let everybody know where they can find all the product, website, IG, Twitter, all yeah. that. Yeah. So on Instagram and Facebook, you can follow my business page, twenty four seven watches at twenty four seven watches and twenty four seven watches dot com. Yeah, T W E N T Y number four seven and then watches. Um, I'm now offering complimentary link removal with every watch. So as soon as you place the order, um, I'm going to text you and ask you for your wrist measurements and we'll go from there. Um, cause I want people to be able to wear the watch as soon as they get it. Like I can't tell you how many people have watches laying around because they're not going to go get the links removed. People don't want to take that extra step. So I take care wow. of them. Yeah. Smart. People don't do that. And she did it. Mm-hmm. That is innovation. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was straight. I saw it today. It was like link removal, free link removal. That is interesting. Yep, yep. I got to set myself apart. I feel like I bought two 24-7 watches, but I don't own one myself. So yeah. I got to get one. I'm going to send y'all one as a thank you for having me on. No, I'm going to buy one. You're going to buy one? Okay. <laughs> Alright, yeah, Josh, you did doing my, my Christmas sale. I think you were getting them for gifts for, yeah, I did. for somebody else. Yeah, I bought one for my dad yeah. and one for my brother. Yeah, how do they like it? I think they liked like it. it. My dad loved it and he was like, this is dope. My brother loved it too, so. And what's interesting is his mom, um, she didn't go to a black college. They live in Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. But like when she did their wedding, she made sure to get like all black vendors. That's so dope. like, 
I think she would appreciate that. It's not, I don't know, whenever I send him gifts, I always order from a black business. Mm-hmm. Like before I sent him one of crisp watches, before I sent him, I have a friend, he used to have a company called like crowns and you know, like these like dad hats with the crown on the front. And I sent him one of those. And uh, like, interestingly enough, all those people still work with me now. So it's like group economics is long lasting. It's not mm-hmm. just for the moment. Like I can't, I don't even know when I did your LLC. It was probably like two years ago. Yeah, it was right two years ago. I remember. So, yep. <laughs> it's like that's. I feel like that's the rub. Is it's not just a one-off transaction, and it's not a transaction where somebody's trying to really get anything from you. It's like we have to get in that space. We have to reciprocate. We have to give because mm-hmm. that's what's going to allow us to win. Like getting white people to like us, getting right. the laws passed. We've gotten laws passed. We need more laws passed. No, we don't need more laws passed. Mm-hmm. Like we've already had, we've already been past that. So yeah. my name is Charles Oglesby. Also, just taught me in there. Hey, check out the options trading workshop in Raphael. I think that it's dope that um, we took off the anchor, but I think we need to like have a ad in the front that promotes the Tweet Talks either store or affiliate store. Um, and then we can kind of maybe put invest in the team after them. Um, so it's dope that we took off anchor, but we don't do all this work to benefit other people. We do all this work to benefit us. And then we can also benefit some other people. So that's just one suggestion that I would make. Um, and we out. Episode Ray Lewis. Yep. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can follow Maya at Maya Bandalu, M-Y-A-B-A-N-D-A-L-O-O. Follow me, Raphael, at Work Money Life. Follow Charles on Twitter at Todd Billion. You know S. Follow him on IG at Todd Billion. Also at Todd.Capital. Wait, is that? Yeah, at Todd.Capital. Also follow at Bless a Black Man on IG. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. You can also go to our website at tweettalkpodcast.com. Be sure to get you a watch from 247watches.com. That's T-W-E-A-T-Y 47watches.com. Episode 52 with special guest Maya, Raphael, and Charles. Tweet Talk. We are out. Peace. If you've reached the end of the show, thanks so much for listening and we value your time. And that's why we want to give you the best sounding, best produced quality of content we possibly can. And this podcast you've been listening to has been edited and produced by yours truly. I'm Donald The Voice. I'm a 10 year voiceover artist, narrator and production specialist that wants to see only the best life giving, equipping and long-lasting content be produced to help others. So if you have commercial video editing or other production needs, I'd love to talk with you. That's right. Visit DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page to talk about how we can work together to bring your content to life. Okay, so you're not an email person. Well, you can also contact me on Instagram at DonaldTheVoice or on Facebook.com forward slash Donald.TheVoice. I'm looking forward to talking to you.